talk sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anshu to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk path, in the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Horvidell joined by Anshu Kana, Anshu. Chris! How you doing? Pretty good. How's it going with you? Uh, it's, it's going alright. It's it's going alright. We got through the the big, the first big, I suppose, coronavirus scare for the NFL this weekend. That was, uh, that was jolting, especially on Sunday when, or Saturday or Sunday at all, everything blurs together in 2020. When we saw that the Saints had a positive test as well, that ended up being a negative test. Oh but, God, that was terrifying. Man, yeah. I I was just I was worried we we're going to lose a bunch of games. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's so funny because I re-listened to our show last week, and you know, just the like the optimism over <laughs> you know the fact that oh yeah they'll they'll definitely get this uh, Pittsburgh game Tennessee game in, and you know NFL is handling it so well and. You know, there's a week between games. Everything should be fine. And then, of course, this all happens. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like, look, anybody is susceptible, obviously. And um, I, you know, let's just hope that it being early enough to not uh, sort of ruin the logistics of the season mm-hmm. uh, helps teams just be more vigilant. Um, because I think that most are doing a are and I'll this time I'll definitely knock on wood as I say this but it does seem like teams are treating this pretty well overall on a team by team basis and you know we're entering bye weeks so that will allow for some leeway but also you know really constrain teams in other ways so I'm very interested obviously we all are interested to see if this is going to hang on Um, but I, I you know the concerns from the top of this country on down as far as like uh-huh. You oh, did, did something happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's not going away. It's not like, you know, and, and you mm-hmm. know, flu season and everything. I think we all know that, you know, immune systems are compromised. And um, it's it's just, it's something that needs to be taken extremely seriously, um, you know, if, if we want to see this season played through to the end. And uh, some teams want to see that and others maybe won't, which I think is an interesting factor in this whole process if you know yeah what I mean. yeah for those who don't know the cdc warns that you know by by december we could be seeing 2900 deaths a day against from coronavirus which is uh you know it, it's a frightening jump back up from the like 700 or so that we're at right now and yeah yeah you you alluded to some things that happened in our country last week and i i don't think that's going to make anything better in terms of fewer people dying from coronavirus and us as a nation taking this more seriously when our leadership says that, oh, yeah, I had it, and it made me feel 20 years younger. (laughs) Yeah, it must have been the bleach going to his head. But, yeah, I mean, look, I think that – but what what another piece I was trying to say there was, like, look, there's these teams that are out of it, they're not going to really be super pumped about staying in quarantine. You know what I mean? Agreed. And I think that that's – it's a concern because, like, it's not like baseball. It's not, a, you know, first of all, I don't expect there to be so many teams involved in the end, even with the additional playoff team. Um, and second of all, like, I just, I, I don't, 
I don't know. I think that with the week off in between, you know, there's just a lot of downtime. Um, and, and it's very scary to me to imagine, you know, some of these teams. I mean, it's obviously scary just in general with the, with the country in general, the society. But I think that for the NFL in particular, I don't know how you incentivize the teams that are essentially tanking um, to avoid doing that. Because, you know, the Jets are going to, you know, you're in New York, you don't want to go do stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think, I don't know. I don't think that it's something that teams or, you know, maybe the commissioner's office on down has really considered because, I, I mean, it's, it would be a major concern for me. Yeah, you say the Jets, but you know, the Giants also sit there at 0-4 and, and have right. almost nothing to play for at this point. So New York in general, not ideal. And nothing about this is ideal, but we just have to continue to take it seriously. And the NFL needs to continue to ramp up their punishment for non-adherence. We saw, yes. you know, we saw the $100,000 fines a couple of weeks ago. Now we very well—I fully expected at some point this week— the uh, Las Vegas Raiders are going to lose a draft pick, and you know the memo wow. that was put the memo that was put out yesterday says that hey, take it seriously, or we will forfeit games for you. Yeah, and I mean they're they're talking about you know investigating the uh, the uh, the Titans yeah. to see if there was any negligence there, and I mean that's the way you got to do it. So maybe I was wrong in saying the commissioner's office isn't taking this as seriously as they could. I mean I'm sure that's true, but. <laughs> you know, this it's definitely something to consider. And, you know, the the idea of a bubble being tossed around, I you know, I don't think it's super feasible, but no. they've got to do something towards the end of the season because there's going to be more of this. And every day now I'm waking up wondering, like, will there be another cancellation? And will we mm-hmm. have it as easy logistically as we did this week where they were able to just swap buys and it was all good? You know, I... I I just can't imagine it working out so smoothly again if there is one. In retrospect, it's crazy to me that the league didn't just add a schedule in an 18th week of the season if needed. Or multiple. Why did that not happen? That seems crazy to me. There should have been, in my opinion, two bye weeks. One in the middle of the season, which we've been advocating for for years, that should be there. And I don't know why the Players Union hasn't pushed for that more. And then two, just have another one, tack on another one at the end. That way you've broken up this season. Hell, you could even do one per quarter, you know? Like, I mean, the league talks about, all, every coach talks about the league breaking up their schedule into quarters. Why not just do it that way? You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I'm not saying that it, you still maintain the punishments. You hope that no one gets it, but at least it would build in, for sure, one per half season would build in the opportunity to just make things right, you know, and, and like, potentially let this season happen the way it you know it potentially could i just don't i don't know how you look at this and think that it's not going to end up poorly at some point i agree wholeheartedly the only thing we have to hope is that you know what we saw in baseball with the breakouts in st louis and miami they did seem to act as cautionary tales for the other teams who then took it more seriously moving forward we didn't really see any gigantic issues past that you just you have to hope that NFL teams take it equally seriously. I don't know about yeah, fundamentally I like the idea of especially in this season having that extra game built in in each quarter of the season, but I don't know if you can logistically add another 3 weeks to the season. 
But yeah. adding another week seems like it's a no-brainer. It just all you're doing is pushing the Super Bowl back a week, or on, and honestly, all you're doing is canceling the Pro Bowl, which shouldn't be played anyway. <laughs> right. You could easily just not have that bye week in between, um, you know, the conference championships and the Super Bowl. Or like, who cares if you push the Super Bowl back a week? Like right now, you wouldn't have full capacity anyway. I mean, what are mm. we even talking about? Like. Fine, you know, it's it's a day that team or people build around, maybe advertisers build around, but it's not like now, you know, it's the, we're talking about empty stadiums, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. or like very limited capacity and people are still going to go to the Super Bowl regardless. So I don't know. I, I mean, I if I'm the NFL, I'm deaf. Look, the other option is that they cancel the season. you know, right. like, Oh, sure. Or cancel weeks. So I think that, you know, there's I don't know. I It's a no brainer to me. Kick the league kick the Super Bowl down two weeks, you get even more of an ownership of the full calendar year as the NFL loves to have. And, you know, and and just make sure you've got games on every single week, uh, you know, and, and the opportunity for every team to finish 16 weeks. I just, I think that, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's like like a stubbornness or what it is, but uh, I, I, I think that they're going to run into some logistics issues 100%. Well, and I also worry not to be the person who, uh, you know, pees on everyone's good intentions, but I do worry about the fact that we're we're, to, we're at a point where we're ramping up capacity for stadiums at the same time when as a country we're expecting things are about to get a, a lot worse again. Mm-hmm. That that concerns me. You know, I, Dallas had, what, 25,000 people. That's that feels crazy to me. That feels yeah. crazy. No, I, I completely agree. And I mean, especially, you know, as a Packer fan, you look at Green Bay and Brown County, where Green Bay is located, is one of the worst hotbeds right now in the mm-hmm. entire country and of, of coronavirus. And I mean, that's that's a team, you know, it's a cute story, obviously, that they're owned by the town and all that. But, you know, anybody that goes into Green Bay and, you know, you're in the middle of all that, it's not like a, a town you go out on the town on, but like, you know, it's you're still interacting with people you're still interacting with stadium staff you've got so many people you're bringing to every game and i mean there's i i like obviously hope it doesn't happen but any one of those eight home games could end up being the one that you know helps just cascades this this disease across the nfl and i obviously don't want to see that but it's it's got to be a concern on everyone's minds and to just ignore that willfully is is you know it's just that it's ignorant yeah, it's not a great look, but, uh, you know, look at us, aren't you, Connor? We're just two fans of two first-place teams here at the quarter mark of the season. <laughs> Got a lot of great football to look forward to. I would say I would say first place is equal in, yep. in every way, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting time. No arguments for me at all on either <laughs> side. <laughs> I'm actually pretty angry that we're in first place right now, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. You know, you know, we've talked about this in the past. I just feel like if you're not good enough to win a Super Bowl, the worst place you can be is picking like 15 to 20. And right now the Eagles are picking 19 with one win, which is crazy. <laughs> I Well, I would the caveat to that, in my opinion, is, first of all, I, I mean, there's three quarters left of the year. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of, lot of time left in this season. But also... You know, like you guys have been there and done it and, you know, got the coach and the quarterback. I think like if you're a team... If you're one of these other teams, it's different. But football, you know, when you you just got to get in the tournament. And I think that, uh, you know, the Eagles are not it. And especially this season where who knows what might happen, you know. Like right now we all think the Chiefs are 
God's gift to football, but you know, all it takes is a Mahomes COVID test, positive COVID test. Not obviously hope it doesn't happen, but just anything can happen at any time to any of these teams. And uh, I wouldn't just say out of hand that like any team that's in the playoff hunt is, uh, is like in that purgatory, at least in football. While the Eagles were toiling in mediocrity and playing terribly against a, a pretty decimated Rams team, or for, pardon me, 49ers team, if they would have lost, they would have been picking five in the draft with the win. Wow. No joke. The one win taking them to one, two, and one takes them to the 19th pick in the draft. It's crazy. But, you know, that's that division. And that's why I didn't really include the Giants in that because they're, they're a game and a half back right now by some miracle. So, yeah, I mean, not that I think that they have any hope of making the playoffs. Um, but, you know, there's. Those teams are not out of it just yet, which is just insane. Well, I have a feeling we're going to get beat up pretty good by the Steelers this weekend coming off of their coronavirus bye, and that'll take us back down to 1-3-1. and one. Uh, Dallas has a pretty yeah, easy matchup from what... <laughs> no, Dallas has a pretty easy matchup from what I remember. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I remember thinking that they, they should be the clear favorites. Uh, so, you know... We'll see, and then it's uh, then it's another good team after that. So, who knows? Like you said, we're only four weeks in. Very, very small sample size. Uh, the Cowboys have the Giants, for the record. Oh, well, so, there you go. <laughs> so there, yeah, exactly. How are you feeling about your Packers? They jumped the four and zero. Aaron Rodgers just he looks incredible. Yeah, they're looking very fun. Uh, cautiously again, very, very optimistic. They're. You know, they haven't exactly played, you know, the 27 Yankees of football opponents, but, mm-hmm. you know, they've beaten some good teams. I mean, they beat the Vikings They on the road. They beat the Saints on the road. Um, you know, they beat what I I thought this game against the Falcons was a very dangerous one because of the way that, you know, the Falcons have lost the last few weeks. So um, to look the way they have and for Rodgers to do what he's done without Adams for, you know, two and a half games is uh, and Lazard now, I, I mean... He looks he looks like he's in the sh- on the short list for MVP, which is pretty fun in a year where Russell Wilson's just torturing everyone. Yeah, boy, Russell Wilson has been incredible. Although that, that Seahawks defensive backfield has been equally incredible in how inept they have been. That continued as they, I mean, they get two interceptions but still give up 315 yards passing to mm-hmm. uh, to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And uh, just I almost went with another another yeah. Irish name. But look, Ryan Fitzgerald, Ryan Fitzpatrick, whatever, Ryan O'Malley, these are all, they're all cousins, and you know that. But the the passing offenses have been, like, it's been unreal how much, I guess, how much offense we've seen in in general. And let's, looking at that, the Browns-Cowboys game from last week, on one side, you have Dak throw for 502 yards and lose, and on the other side, you have... The Cleveland Browns rushed for 309 yards, the most yards ever given up by the Dallas Cowboys in the victory. Just what crazy offense we are seeing this year. I know, and I can't tell if it's more about the crazy offense. I'm sure that's a big part of it. Or, you know, just how undisciplined some of these past defenses have been. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you look at Stefanski, who is loosely related to, like, what Matt LaFleur does, what Kyle Shanahan does what Sean McVay does. I mean, this is all kind of like that Mike Shanahan, 
block zone blocking scheme right mm-hmm. and then and then like throwing the pass off that run and i think that what those teams are doing um is really taking advantage of like the man coverage that a lot of these defenses want to run and i i just the way that the browns just sticking to those two guys and the way that their offensive line has been blocking has been so good for them and uh yeah i mean they're that i think that the browns like if they just it's crazy to say, but if they take the ball out of their number one pick's hands as much as they can, <laughs> except for, you know, basically play action and like, you know, kind of like, you know, yeah. play it, play it, basically play fakes. I mean, that's, that's deception is what I'm trying to say. You know, that's, that's been their ticket so far. And it's been pretty amazing to see um, them actually stick to a plan that is so disciplined. And I think that it's going to go a long way in this specific NFL season. And what what's crazy about it is they get that 309 in a game where their best running back and one of the handful of best running backs in the league Nick Chubb gets hurt after 5 carries. And and they don't have a running quarterback to sort of artificially elevate those numbers. That that running game was incredible. And I'll tell you what, one of the here's a, here's a guy who we haven't talked about on the show. One of the breakout players of all of 2020 so far has been Wyatt Teller for the Browns. He has yeah. been playing. To this point, he's been one of the best guards in football, and that just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, part of that, of course, is Stefanski, and Bill Callahan is, is a really good mm-hmm. offensive line coach, and I think that those two pieces combined obviously help. Uh, you know, they're just – they're they're you never know when a scheme fits a player a certain way, you know, right. and I, I think – they clearly had an idea with him, but maybe not fully flushed out. And, and now, you know, those guys and the rookie tackle, obviously, you know, the, the whole, all of it's kind of coming together for them really neatly. And um, I, I mean, the Browns, the Browns are really built in the trenches and then on out. And then, you know, obviously all the focus goes to those skill guys, but they're, they're a pretty, like, if you combine the talent they have with like just, fundamentally sound coaching i think it's usually a really good <laughs> recipe and that's that's what they have now that they obviously didn't last year with freddie kitchens and hugh jackson yes <laughs> and hugh jackson who uh stefanski's already matched for her career wins right on the yep. Browns. yep <laughs> four good. games that's yeah not not a bad start for him let's let's take a quick break we'll be right back we're going to talk uh major league baseball playoffs nba finals a lot going on hang in there we'll be right back Hey guys, it's Chris and the wait is finally over. Football is now back in full swing. The NBA Finals are here and the MLB playoffs are heating up as well. You might not be able to go to any of these games this year, but you can still be in on all of the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures right now. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of the great sign up bonuses. Another really fun weekend in the NFL this year. We finally get a chance to see teams sort of sort themselves out a little bit. We see who teams really are. And I don't think that's going to be any more evident than in the Philadelphia Eagles-Pittsburgh Steelers game. Are the 1-2-1 uh, and one Eagles actually okay? Are the Steelers as good as their 3-0 and record suggests? We're going to find out this Sunday, and I, for one, can't wait. 
To get in on all that action and oh so much more, visit our good friends and the exclusive partner at Podcast One Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use the promo code Podcast One for your sign up bonus. That's P O D C A S T O N E. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Anshu, we're back, and uh, I don't give enough time to Major League Baseball on this show. Uh, you know, we we tend to talk about it during the World Series and the start of the season, the trade deadline when the trade deadline is a real trade deadline, unlike this season. <laughs> the draft when there's a pandemic. Yeah. The draft when there's a pandemic. And, you know, the draft move, the, the unfortunate reality for the two of us is that I think regardless of the pandemic, we're going to be interested in the Major League Baseball draft more than the average person. So yeah. I think that's always going to be there's always going to be attention given to that. But let's talk about the uh, the DSs, the respective DSs going on right now. Astros A's uh, going into game two. Yankees Rays game two. We've got Marlins Braves right now. Game one Marlins up four three. Padres Dodgers game one kicking off a little bit later. Let's start in the American League. This Astros A's series. How do you see it playing out? Uh, yeah, so the A's obviously knock out the White Sox in what was a really fun series. Although my fandom obviously didn't, uh, it wasn't as good for me. But I, you know, mm-hmm. I think that this A's team, you know, it's not like a, a sexy team on paper by any means, but they've definitely got the horses to get it done. Unfortunately, being down already is not a good sign. And the Astros, I thought the Astros were right to get bounced in the first round by the Twins, but. You know, they, they've they really come together. Like, their hitters, I don't know what happened across the season. Like, they were just all pretty much way worse than what was happening the last few years. And there were a lot of studies that were kind of done about, you know, maybe this is or analyses that were done about maybe the fact that, that, you know, they might not be the same without some of the advantages that they had. But they looked pretty damn good the first series against that very good Twins team. And now... You know, it's hard even without Verlander, who now is Tommy John, and without, you know, obviously some of their other pieces that are gone, Garrett Cole and whatnot. Like, I mean, it's just basically Granky and a bunch of young pitchers, and they're getting the job done because their hitters are so good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how the Astros lose that series at this point now. Yeah, how big is the Verlander thing in your mind? Well, I mean, he didn't really pitch for him this year. Right. He still cracked the playoffs, although with like the worst win percentage ever for an MLB playoff team, if I'm not mistaken. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's it's big because he's you know he was going to be the ace. I think that it's partially why they were willing to give up on Cole, but also like you know he is older, and I think at some point you just assume that they're either going to you know by attrition or by Tommy John or whatever the case may be that you're not going to have that guy longer term, and so now they're. It's kind of just Zach Greinke, who I believe is like 36, and um, and then again, just a bunch of younger pitchers. And, you know, for this playoff run, it, it's not a big deal. But, you know, as they kind of look forward, I think that there are going to be issues for them in terms of who who kind of like carries their team in the inter, in an immediate future. I want to talk about Asuve because, you know, I've I said some things about him, made some predictions about him, and then he put up this season that he did this year. Uh, obviously a really small sample size, only 48 regular season games played by Jose Altuve. But, you know, in those 192 at-bats, he goes from being a career 311 hitter to hitting 219 with a 286 OBP this year. You have to think this is not a coincidence. 
Yeah, I mean, I know 60 games is a small sample, and it was less for him, I believe, but... Yeah, it's 48. Yeah, 48, yeah, sorry. I, I don't know. I I agree. I think it's got to be something, and uh, I mean, he's been pretty good in the playoffs, but I, I agree. I think that longer term, it's going to hurt the Astros in a big way, because they're just not... There's not going to be the same... They're not going to have the same advantages, so... Once they find some other way, I think that that Altuve, that you know, you when you think of Jose Altuve, you think like, oh, this is you know pretty much the best leadoff hitter in baseball, mm-hmm. and going forward, you may have to take him as being like basically a negative of a low average leadoff. Oh, hitter, he's a he's a seven hitter if he if this is what he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. So not not ideal for them, obviously, but they've got they've got a lot of really good prospects coming up too, and um, I believe. They do, though, have some free agents. Like, I mean, George Springer's a free agent. I think that uh, they, I believe they re-signed Correa, but I could be wrong. I know Michael Brantley's a free agent. So they're not going to be the same Astros that we've seen basically dominate the AL the last three or four years. Yeah, I mean, Correa certainly uh, took uh, some points off the old BP, the, the batting average this yeah. year as well. You know, 2017 just looks like it's going to be the anomaly in his career. Maybe not like a Brady Anderson like anomaly, but still a giant anomaly nonetheless. You know, he hits 315, 391, and puts up 6.3 war in that 2017 season. Um, and, and that's in 109 games. He basically plays more than half of those games this year, and he's down to 264, 326 with five home runs. Wow. Yeah, that's that's not good. Um, he's still a decent defensive player, but that's that's definitely not good. And, uh, you know, they've got Bregman, who was, you know, an absolutely banner prospect, but he didn't have a great year early on either. He, he mm-hmm. kind of came alive towards the end. He's definitely been good in the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, again, this is not going to be that, like, insane one to nine, oh, my God, where do we get outs type of lineup going right. forward, I don't think. Yeah, now you just wait until Altuve comes up, and you know you have a guaranteed yeah. out there. <laughs> as long as you can get it in his tiny strike zone. Oh yeah. yeah, but even that he's only you know it, that go, he's two sixteen two eighty six, so it's not like he's walking yeah. a ton. That's a good point. Yeah, he's an aggressive hitter. So, yeah, that's I that you know, and then you you just look at that division, and the Angels have paid down so much for their guys, and it's basically just the A's like money bowling their way into what's been. <laughs> you know, a pretty cool run, even though they don't have like they don't have their best player basically in Matt Chapman for these playoffs, and mm-hmm. you know some of their guys haven't developed as nicely as they would. It's just interesting to see the contrast in those two teams because they're really they really couldn't be built any differently, more differently. Are we gonna get the Moneyball sequel that we've all been waiting for? <laughs> Could be, man. Like they this this specific version of the A's is even more Moneyball-y, I feel like, than the original. Well, it's cute to think that we're going to have movies again because uh, oh, sure. I, I don't, uh, it, that, that might be a while. Basically, every movie of consequence has already been pushed back to 2022. They just pushed Batman back to 2022. Uh, a movie that I was bizarrely super hype about after after seeing the trailer, but every, mm-hmm. you know all all the Marvel stuff has gotten pushed back. Black Widow's almost a full year back at this point. The only thing we might get this year is uh, is the um, the Disney Plus series, uh, Wanda, the WandaVision Disney Plus series, which is going to oh, be super yeah. weird. And was, cool, yeah. cool, but super weird. Yeah, I have, like, I watched that preview and I was just like, I have no idea what's going on here, but I'm interested to see what it is. Well, I'm enough of a, a, a nerd that I know what they're referencing and stuff like that, and I'm excited to see where it goes because it's going to 
it's going to change the MCU in, in a lot of ways if they do what we think they're going to do, but plenty of time to talk about that. Let's talk about these other series first. The uh, the how Yankees raise uh, Yankees up one nothing in the series. What do we think? Yeah, I mean the Yankees are like very excited about this series. The Rays are deserving one seed, but man, they like the Yankees are healthy, and when they're healthy, they're just so tough. Like we just said, there are no easy outs in that old Astros order one to nine. These mm-hmm. Yankees are like those Astros on steroids, possibly literally. So <laughs> you know, like. And then you add on to that Garrett Cole and Tanaka. And, I mean, their starting pitching is not great, but, you know, then they roll with, like, Britton and Chapman at the back end. And it's just – it's 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 an uphill battle for anyone, especially for a team as undermanned as the Rays are. I mean, I give them so much credit for, again, basically moneyballing their way into what they've done. But at the end of the day, you've got to contend with Judge and Stanton and, and you know, and LeMayhew might be an MVP candidate or might win the MVP and – all, they're just they're just so deep and so good and you know any at bat could be a home run so as the Indians found the hard way it's it's just not an ideal opponent. Do you think you mentioned Lemayhew potentially winning MVP? Do you think he becomes the least well known player by casual fans to win an MVP ever? <laughs> if that happened, yeah, I do think so. <laughs> but I think it'll be a Brayu or Jose Ramirez, but Lemayhew's definitely you know right there in that in the picture with those two heading over to the NLDS. Uh, we, as we currently sit, the Braves lead the Marlins seven to four bottom seven of game one. What do we think of this series? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the Marlins, you know, to knock out the Cubs is crazy. It sounds like it might be the end of the Theo Epstein era as they're planning an exit strategy for him with the Cubs. And, uh, Boy, that this Marlins seemed like going in, you just felt like it was a buy basically for whoever whoever drew them to sweep away the Cubs at Wrigley is pretty impressive. And um, yeah, I mean they're they're obviously you know maybe several years early. I was gonna say a year early, mm-hmm. but um, you know it's just one of those. It's almost like you know I don't follow hockey that closely, but from what I know of the Vegas Golden Knights, it feels kind of similar. Like in that um, you know you've got just sort of a lot of a good mix of young players and a lot of veterans with a lot to prove. And, um, you know, Sixto Sanchez, much to your chagrin, I'm sure looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're just, they're pit, their young pitching has come to play right away. And, you know, all their, all their veterans are just, they're, they're playing, they're, they're all having like career basically weeks. So I, I don't think that they'll be able to do it against the Braves, but, you know, they've obviously proven me wrong many times over the course of the season. Yeah, the Sixto Sanchez thing hurts a little bit more with Spencer Howard kind of flaming out in his appearances this season. So you you wish you had that that young guy you could count on for the future, especially given that I think it's unlikely Real Muta is a Philly next year. So yeah, it's not a great situation, but at the same time, you can't you you can't justify paying Real Muto that that huge money that like six one fifty or something crazy like that, where his seasons in Philadelphia just haven't warranted that. I thought he had, he had a really good year this yes, year. Yes, but the, he? he was good, but the team wasn't good. And, you know, this is this is the same thing where, you know, if, if you're not going to be good, how do you justify paying a guy uh, that sort of premium? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, especially because you've already done that. You can't do it with everyone. You right. You know, it cost Matt Klintek his job. And, yeah, I, I hear you on that. Um I mean, he's he's an awesome player. I'm sure they'll QO him, and mm-hmm. I assume they'll get a, a pretty decent draft pick out of it. So it'll end up being, 
you know, not a wash, obviously, but it's, you know, they, they obviously went for it. Can't fault them for that. It's just, no. it's tough because the rest of the team wasn't built the way it needed to be built for, to, you know, to win a World Series so or even a pennant. So I think that, uh, man, it's crazy, though, to see some of the pieces that the Marlins got back doing what they're doing, considering, like, just how much they got destroyed for some of those deals. And, uh, yeah, they, they, I don't think it's sustainable this year, but maybe they do have the vague foundation that they need to be a somewhat of a contender. Well, what is going to be difficult for me to see is that one of the teams that's been tied to Real Muto already is the, is the Mets. The Mets, I'm not a thousand percent sure on what the changes were with the comp pick system, but I believe Real Muto is still going to qualify as a type A, which means the Phillies would get their first round pick if it was in, you know, if it falls outside of the top 16. Of course, the Mets pick is not going to, which means Phillies would get a sandwich pick and their second round pick, which is still fine. But you'd really like to pick up that extra first round pick if you're losing a player like that. I also expect that they're going to they'll QO Didi Gregorius, uh, honestly, in hopes that he'll accept it and they could bring him back for a one year deal at a bigger contract rather than having to lock him up long term with guys like Bryson Stott and uh, Garcia, Juan Garcia in the system. But yeah. I don't know. My I hope I hope they offer him both QOs and they both decline. I'll take those picks. <laughs> I think. I think that's an ideal situation for you, especially in my opinion with Gregorius, just because, you know, you can kind of replicate some of that, I think, with, you know, between Kingery and anybody else that they have coming up and or like stop gaps. Real Muto to me is obviously a special catcher. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it just depends on like where you think you are in the contention spectrum because like you don't necessarily, it, it's not only a one year thing either when you've got a guy like Bryce Harper locked in. Um, and, you know, Wheeler, I mean, but, you know, because you have them, I think they're going to be looking at competing every single year for playoff spots. So my hunch is that they're hoping they both those guys do accept the QOs. Well, there's no chance in the world uh, Real Muto is going to accept the QO. He's not going to play or on no. that deal. Sorry. But but yeah. to, to re-sign him for sure. Um, right. I just, I don't know. Yes. Well, we shall see how that's going to, I think there's going to be big changes for a lot of Basically every Philadelphia sports team in their respective off seasons, but uh, we're not quite we're not quite there yet. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how Glenn Rivers does. But uh, <laughs> the the last series we have here in the NLDS this is a fun one. Dodgers Padres. This Padres team is so much fun. Yeah, I mean you're closer to it than me, but that's yeah, it's been amazing. Watching them come back against the Cardinals was wild, and you know it's been the Tatis breakout show. That's what's been so fun about these play- this this sort of new format is, uh, you know, all eyes have been on them. It feels like like they've they've basically been the highlight game. It's going to be really fun to see how they perform against the Dodgers, who are you know the odds-on favorites essentially to do this, uh, maybe the, uh, definitely in the NL. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm eager to see them. They've obviously already played quite a bit this season, but um, it's going to be an electric matchup. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because Tatis is a thing. Real quick, uh, NBA Finals, Lakers up two games to one on the Heat. Adebayo will play game four as of a couple of minutes ago. Do the Heat have any chance whatsoever in this series? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I know that the Lakers are favorites already for next year too, which I, I'm again, I don't believe in that yet, but yeah, I think a little that, soon, yeah, little soon for sure. A lot of, 
a lot to be decided here with that with the who's playing and where and whatever but and lebron's yeah. a year older don't forget let's not forget that eventually sure. he has to we, start slowing down we don't even know when that season's starting yet right yeah like, I, sure. my guess is january yeah i i think so too but anyways i yeah i the heat have no chance against the lakers <laughs> i would love to see it becoming a fun series but I, I look. I give them credit for even stealing a game without Adebayo, because like and Dragic, and Dragic, yeah, wow. Um, you know they're just they're, they're so outmanned, and I give Jimmy Butler so much credit because I I did not see this coming for him as far as even winning a conference, let alone coming close to being within a game of a LeBron led team in the finals. But here we are. Yeah, LeBron is going to turn thirty six before next season. He's going 36 years old. This guy has played in, oh my God. LeBron James has played in 1,265 regular season games. He's played in, uh, let's see, how many play on, you know, probably another half of that in playoff games. Mm -hmm. Just utterly crazy the miles this guy has Already, and he's just, he is not slowing down. This season, one of his better seasons averages 23-5, or 25-3, excuse me, uh, you know, seven and a half rebounds and ten and a half assists. Just, he's a machine. Yeah, he's insane. I mean, playing with Anthony Davis is obviously a very nice way to sort of sunset his career, but... I, you know, still obviously all the credit we're due. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of, you know, sort of constrains his minutes over the course of the season to try to be ready for the playoffs as however they end up being, mm-hmm. whatever format they end up taking over the next few years. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty wild to see, and we should all probably enjoy it while we can because I agree. I don't think there's – I don't know if there's more than one more vintage LeBron season left in him. And at 36 years old, that's crazy in its own right. The The talk has always been that LeBron wanted to stick around to play a season, or at least a season, with his son, Bronny. I'm going to ask you which is, which is less likely, that LeBron is still in the NBA at that point, or that Bronny James makes it into the NBA? <laughs> I mean, Bronny James is... I, I feel like he he's definitely going to do it. He'll uh, definitely be in the league. No? I don't know, man. I just I think he's so overranked because of his last name. I don't I don't think that this is a guy who I think I think they had him at like 30th or something in the 2023 class when ESPN put their rankings out. And I just don't think he would be that high a recruit if his last name wasn't James. Yeah. It's I of course it's definitely possible nepotism is a bizarre thing when it comes to players, but yeah, I, I think that it's certainly possible. It's just like because of LeBron, because of the gravitas that he has in general and will continue to have whether or not he's in the league. Um, I feel like it's almost a certainty to me. I, and I don't know, you know, I, I can't say I've like watched full games of Bronny. Not what you don't I have just, Sierra Canyon on. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's been a miss for me, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that, it just seems like that's likely to happen. It's entirely possible. The one thing, you know, like I said, he uh, currently 24 in the ESPN uh, top 25 for, well, worth pointing out 24 in the top 25 for 2023. 
So, you know, those last couple of guys on that list might just be uh, add-ons, as it yeah, were. But, but Bronny's 6'2", 175. He is, you know, he is not LeBron in that sense. Now, mm-hmm. what it could create is the most interesting summer league in the history of summer leagues, where I do believe that if if we don't think Bronny James is an NBA player, if he's a second-round pick who you know might not make the team— I don't think it's crazy to see we could see LeBron James at like 41 years old playing in the summer league. So oh, just to, just so he can play with his kid. Adam Silver would be eternally grateful. <laughs> <laughs> you get the the James family ratings in there that'd be uh, pretty nice. Well, I guess all right. So Bronny is class 23, so he would be able to go into that 2023 draft as we should have uh we should have. And by the way, Dewan Wagner's kid, the top player in that class if you want to feel old. Wow. Um, oh, man. We should have prepped the pro again at that point. So that's, what, two years? So LeBron would be, what, he'd be 38? That's, that's a, he'd probably still put up 20 that season. So he, could oh, be, yeah. he would be a solid summer league player. <laughs> yeah, I think that he would make it somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for this episode of The Underdog. We'll be back a little bit later in the week to talk NFL picks. Until then, I've been Chris Hordell. He's been Achikana. We thank you for listening. And we'll see you real soon.